Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Elite Investing Show. Today, I had Gregory Diamond, who's an Australian motivational speaker. And you're in for a life-changing episode. Hope you enjoy the show. Right, so Mr. Greg, who got you into the motivational speaking industry? Yes, Shivatan. It's it's my bread and butter. It's uh, it's what I enjoy doing. It's uh, gets me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> keeps me going. <laughs> and no, tell I, us a little about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and what you're about. Well, look, I was born in New Zealand. Um, I but my mother mother was an Australian, and my dad was a, a Kiwi. Um, so we ended up coming back to Australia. My folks happened to meet in New Zealand, got married there and had a few kids and then they moved back to Perth where my mother was originally from. So I spent most of my life in Perth, Australia. Um, and, you know, great place to live, great place to, uh, to, uh, to be born. But um, I, um, I lived in a fairly, uh, I guess, dysfunctional home. <laughs> my father was was very hard drinking, very hard living, uh, really unfaithful and um, a, a difficult man to live with, very prone to anger and, and uh, brutality. We lived under um, martial law almost, you know, <laughs> he was, he was uh, brutal from a physical point of view and from a mental point of view and, and from a verbal point of view. And so we, we kind of, I guess my brothers and sisters and I suffered a fair bit of um, abuse when we were, were children and that left its mark on most of us. Um, uh, it was a pretty hard childhood. Uh, I've lost a sister to suicide and uh, I've got another sister who's chronically mentally unwell and I've got a brother um, who has struggled in his life and so there's various you know effects that all that had on us but uh in some strange way it probably prepared me for the quest that i've always had in my life to kind of you know what's the meaning of it all what's the meaning of life where, where am i going you know um and how can i get there uh, my side of the equation was you know a walking saint as far as I'm concerned. She was an amazing woman, very strong, but very, um, very intelligent. Um, had, had, was a physiotherapist herself. And my dad was a physio as well. Um, and that's what led me down the track. Eventually when I left school, I did physiotherapy and, and that has been my profession for most of my adult life. And um, I started a business in that when I was about 30 because I was married by then and had a child on the way so I thought I, I needed to make some more money than I was earning as a as an employee um, so I got into business and um, I built up a very successful practice we had about 19 staff eventually and we had a seven-figure practice and I called that about it's really good and uh, when I sold it that allowed me to start dabbling in this area which is the area of personal development and and um, motivational speaking as you say because that was has been a love of mine since i was about uh, 14. 
my mother, who got involved in a, a cosmetic company when she was uh, um, uh, a younger woman, had taken my brother and I through a, a motivational course that their, their company put on when I was 14. And that introduced me um, to Bill Nightingale, who was uh, a prominent American motivational speaker of the day. And you may have heard of Bill Nightingale. He's, um, you can still hear a lot of Bill's stuff on YouTube if you go and do that. And he, he had this beautiful voice. One, it was beautifully um, it was, you know, it was a very resonant voice that you just love listening to. And he worked in radio and uh, in the US, but his radio station was a little bit different in that it was about personal development, about motivation. It was about, you know, being the best you could be. Um, this was back in the 1950s. So it was uh, early stuff. But, uh, he, he said some things when I was 14 that really started me off to to realize that there was there was more to life than I was experiencing that I didn't have to be stuck where I was but I didn't have the skills then I started reading I read when I was 16 I read um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill which was a game changer for me I didn't understand it all then but uh, and I've read it several times since and I understand it a lot better now with a bit more life experience behind me but I, I followed guys like um, Norman Vincent Peale, uh, Earl Nightingale, as I said. Then I got into Brian Tracy, um, uh, Zig Ziglar, um, Tony Robbins, you know, all the, all the kind of guru. The big shots. Jim Rohn, all these guys. And I just loved that stuff. And then when I was 21, I did a course with a guy called Lewis E. Tice. He uh, from an organisation called the Pacific Institute, of course, called because it, for the first time, he not only talked about the principles of success and achievement, but it also gave you some of the psychological tools for changing your mindset to achieve those things. And it's that side of it, the the psychology of change, changing your mindset changing um, the way your brain is wired that has fascinated fascinated me ever since and it's those that following that line of thinking uh, that really led me into physiotherapy and then into my business and then now at this stage of my life kind of being a um, motivational speaker and teacher um, so I'm, I'm I'm going I'm heading down the the road of my teachers you know my mentors my gurus that uh, that have shown me you know what it means to change mindset to change the way you think and hence change the the way your life is going what if you want more out of life if you want more um, success in life if you want greater better relationships if you if you want to take life on then you have to change your mindset you change your thinking you change your life and that's the great lesson, I think, for me. Oh, I've lost Sam. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you since, you, yeah. since you finished off with change, I just wanted to ask you, the, the big problem with most people is that they're unable to embrace change. So what are your tips on beginning to embrace change? To embrace 
change. One, it's partly awareness to realise that we live in a, in a fast-changing society and you really, um, you, you won't survive in our society without an attitude to change that embraces it. And I think it's like, um, you know, Jim Rohn says something about, you know, we can either look to the future with uh, anticipation or we can look to the future with apprehension. So if you're looking to the future with fear and out of anxiety, then change is going to be a fear-producing thing. But if you're looking to the future out of a sense of anticipation, of excitement, then your future doesn't fill you with that fear, it doesn't fill you with that anxiety, and the and the seeing change coming is actually an exciting thing. So partly it's the way you think, it's partly the way you look at change and the way you um, change your mindset. Uh, I, I think you have to realise that our brains are wired towards fear. Our, our brain is about us surviving, not thriving. You know, we often talk about there's kind of three levels of our brain. There's this ancient brain, we call it, people call it the reptilian brain. And then we have our mammal brain, which is a later evolutionary development. And then we have our human brain, which we call the neocortex or the new cortex. Now, each of these brains obviously works in, an, in a, a, a cohesive, well, it works best when it's working cohesively. But what you have to realize is our ancient brain is all about survival. It's about keeping us alive. It's about keeping us on the planet. It's about propagating the species. So it uh, questions everything that is happening to us in the light of, is this a danger? Is this gonna cost me my life? Is this gonna put me at risk? So that is our fundamental go-to place. We operate out of that place. So it's learning from our point of our neocortex, our human brain, that that reptilian brain doesn't have to control us. But for a lot of people, it does. It's their first emotional experience and it's the one that they kind of get stuck in. Because it doesn't want you to do anything. If you survived yesterday, and that part of your brain saying, look, you survived yesterday, things don't have to change. You just have to do what you did yesterday because we're still alive. <laughs> but, but we know from our human brain that that's not enough for us. For us just, just to survive, our, our, for, for some reason in our humanity, our happiness, our well-being relies on a sense of purpose. It relies on a sense of mission. It relies on a sense of us progressing, growing in life. Um, that, that sense of self-fulfillment comes from our, this uh, newer brain of ours. And I, I think it's influenced by, you know, whether you want to call it our spirituality, um, you know, our sense of the universe, something, we know there's something greater and beyond ourselves and we are almost kind of drawn towards that. We know the universe is expanding from our physics and from our understanding of the cosmos, and we're the same, where we are healthiest when we, when we know we're expanding. So if we look at our future 
in the sense of we are expanding, we are growing towards something, that we are fulfilling a mission, that we have purpose, then I think if you if that's your fundamental drive, then you look at the future with anticipation. If you don't have a future that's well um, thought out, if you don't have a plan, if you don't know where you're going, then you are going to be much more concerned about surviving and surviving. Yeah, that's exactly why people who are addicted to like TV and you know eating chips all day and who don't like have a mission, they're you know, they're just sad. <laughs> exactly, and you know we're not made like that. Well, we are we are made to move forward. We're made to progress towards something. Um, we're made to you know when we write our to-do list, we're made to tick off those boxes because it gives us a deep sense of satisfaction that there is progress, that we're moving towards something. Um, so that's that's what you have to understand is that um, our fear of tomorrow comes out of this survival instinct. But we can train our fear to look at the future in a more positive light. It's very interesting that you know when you look at the research in psychology about optimism as versus pessimism, so your pessimists, if you like, are people who are dwelling in the fear of tomorrow, whereas your optimist is dwelling in his anticipation of tomorrow. And we know from the science that pessimists die earlier, they tend to make less money. Actually. They have, they have, poorer, they have poorer relationships, um, their health is worse, etc. Whereas optimists tend to make more money, they tend to have better relationships, they tend to live longer, um, they tend to enjoy better health. So from all the all the things that we would say would you know constitute a happy and a and a prosperous life, being an optimist and looking to your future promisingly is a much better mindset to adopt than to stay back in this pessimistic or cynical um, self. And that's about rising above this ancient brain of yours that wants to protect you by keeping you in a in a in the cave. So it's about looking outside the cave and seeing that there's a future that actually will bring you more benefits and a better future if you're willing to walk outside the cave. So hopefully that explains it. <laughs> hey, yeah, it does. And then since you finished off with mindset, I want to ask you. Apart from being optimistic, what else constitutes the growth mindset as well as you know, the success mindset? Because what changes the mindset of people like Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett from those of the average Joe working nine to five every day? Um, look, I think any mindset can change to be a positive one. We know that can. Again, the psychology tells us that. And it's about understanding that your brain is wired by your experiences and by your reactions and by your experiences within your environment. So you can change the very wiring of your brain to expect more from your future. A, a positive or a success mindset comes out of the understanding that you can control your future 
and that the future you want or desire is yours to have if you think differently. Everything that you want out of life comes first from your thoughts. So being able to change the way you think is the way you change your future and what, what you want. How do we do that? We know that we are programmed by our past experience. So if you've had a negative past experience, and many people have, you know, including me, um, you know, and I was told I was worthless, useless, you know, stupid, you know, all those sorts of things. Now, if that's said to you by a person's authority in your life, like a parent, and they say it, you know, 50 times a day, that wires your brain towards that belief. So it's about changing the belief about what you're capable of, what your potential is, and that means changing the wiring of your brain. Now, the very things that form the negative wiring in your brain can be used to change to a positive wiring of your brain. How do we do that? By changing the affirmations, changing the conversation that you're having with yourself, repeating that positive conversation every day, many times a day, so that you change the wiring. For instance, we, we call this uh, this positive statement you're saying to yourself an affirmation. That is, it's a it's a statement. For instance, you might say, um, "I am." Uh, I would say to myself, "I'm a brilliant physiotherapist. I have healing hands. I have hands that bring hope and health and healing." to all my patients. Now I say that as an affirmation regularly. Why? Because I want to come out of the sense that, you know, I am I am powerfully productive in terms of dealing with my patients, in terms of bringing them health and healing. So if I want to say that positive statement to bring a change in me, I have to say it in first person. It has to be about me, I. It has to be present tense because you have to create a confusion in your brain. That's called dissonance, where you might have a reality, which is um, how, how you are, but then you have this vision of how you can be. You have to state the vision as if it is already fact. Then your brain, your subconscious, looking at what has what is reality but what you want and you're painting this vivid picture about who you actually want to be your brain says oh so what are we are we back here being real or are we, or are we are we this vision remembering that your subconscious has can't can't tell the difference between a vision vividly imagined and what is real so the more you vividly imagine yourself being that person that you've stated you will be drawn towards becoming that person. So if you're saying something like, you know, I am a prosperous millionaire, and you're saying that over and over, even though you're making $20 a week and you're on skid row, <laughs> your brain, you create this confusion in your subconscious because the more you vividly imagine you being this prosperous millionaire, your subconscious will do one of two things. It will either say, 
want to go back to what is the old picture because you're making yourself uncomfortable or it will take you forward to the new vision that you're creating. The more you hang on to that new vision and the more real you make it, the more vivid you make it, your subconscious cannot help but take you there unless you let the vision go. If you let the vision go and you get frustrated and impatient, you will go back to your old picture. You have to create a nerve pathway, a new neural pathway in your brain that sees you as the prosperous millionaire. And then your subconscious sees the opportunities to make that happen. You will see, because it's part of your brain called the reticular activating system, opportunities where your subconscious, where you can construct the future that you have vividly created unless you live it, let it go. So it's about creating a statement, a clear first person, present tense, positive statement of who you want to be, imagining yourself being that person, imagining yourself and stating, saying that affirmation regularly so that now the dominant picture in your mind is that person and you will be drawn, you will be magnetically drawn to become that person. It's very powerful. It's the way our brain works. For instance, think about if you've ever, you know, if you've bought a new car and you've, you haven't had that car before, but now you buy this car because you're all enamored with it. What do you see on the road around you? You never saw that. Better cars. Yeah, exactly. You never saw that car before, but now you see it everywhere. Why? Because you've told your brain, particularly the reticular activating system, that this car is important to you. So now your brain notices it. So when you change your brain by creating a vivid picture of what you want, now your reticular activating system picks up opportunities, things that are in your environment where you can make that happen. It still takes you to act, but now it's magical. People think it's magic, but really it's just the way your brain works. When we, were, when we were, when we were hunters and gatherers and running around in the jungle, trying to find something to eat because we created the hunger, because we had the vision of what we were looking for, then we saw the game in our environment. Now we see the things that we were hunting and our focus is on those. And we see the opportunities to, why? Because we've created this vision, we've got this hunger, and now we've got the focus. Our brain focuses and sees the opportunities that will bring us you know, dinner on our table. But now we're just using those same principles to, to focus on and get what we want out of life. That is the fundamental principle of um, attaining everything that you want out of your life. Now, as, long, as well as stating this affirmation, creating this vivid picture, the way you give power to that 
is you add emotion. So when you're doing your imagination, when you're using your imagination to create the vivid picture, if you take a strong emotion, whether it be love or joy or excitement or whatever it might be, and you, you, you wrap that emotion around that vivid picture, you are very powerfully adding fuel to that picture which your brain, your brain loves emotion. You know, we're, we're built around emotion. And again, emotion taps, taps into that, that reptilian brain and mammalian brain, which adds power to the vision that we're creating. So it's all about affirmations, visualizations, and emotion. If you can wrap those three up into a bundle and use it regularly, every day, every, every night, every morning, and during your day, you will inexorably be drawn towards what you want to attain out of life. But then, uh, one of the things is what I've seen is that, let's say that you, let's say that you keep affirming to yourself that you're a prosperous millionaire or you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. What happens when you let, uh, how do you? Not you're going to be. The trick with affirmations is you've got to make it present tense. You've got to see it as already happened, that you are that person. Because then the, the psychological term is dissonance. The discomfort that you create in your brain is, creates a drive and energy to attain it. So it's about creating, and this is the difficult part for all of us, it's about creating discomfort. We don't like discomfort particularly our reptilian brain doesn't like discomfort. It likes, it likes comfort. It wants us to be, you know, warm around the campfire. The comfort zone. Yeah. The comfort it, zone. That's, that's exactly right. It, we, uh, our, 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 if you like, our, our back to this basic ancient brain of ours, the reptilian brain, it wants us to be comfortable and stay safe. We have to make ourselves unsafe. We have to make ourselves uncomfortable. We have to be willing to walk outside of the light around the campfire. And for a lot of people, they can't, they don't tolerate, they can't stand that walking out into discomfort. And so they don't create the opportunities in their thinking and in their imagination that are going to draw them forward to a better and a fuller life, strange as it may seem. No, but then my question was, like, if you keep saying to yourself, I am a successful, or I'm already a successful entrepreneur, what how, uh, like, how do you stop letting that get to your head and you know, becoming all arrogant and all you know, selfish about it? I mean, I've noticed that in quite a few people. Like they just let that get into their head. Yeah, that's the idea. Is get it into your head. Look, there's, you you can still be a you can still be a compassionate, kind, and generous person. This is not about narcissism. It's not about it's not about becoming um, uh, a, a, a you know swollen head and uh, um, a person who's kind of into themselves. We all hate those sort of people. But it is about exploring your potential as a person. You, you can still be, you know, in fact, your affirmation, you can, you should write affirmations into every area of your life. 
and one of them should be about your relationship with other people. And that should be, you know, I am, this is an affirmation, I am a warm, loving and compassionate person. I am generous to all I meet. So something, saying something about your wealth or about your relationships, both have the same power. One, isn't, one doesn't cancel out the other. You can, there are plenty of you know, rich, warm, compassionate people in the world. <laughs> There's you know, amazing philanthropists around doing great work in the world because of their kind and compassionate and loving natures who have made a lot of money. So, you know, selfishness, there, there, is a, there is a certain, um, look, you have to, you cannot give what you do not have. If you do not have a strong sense of self-worth, if you don't, do not love yourself, it's very hard to give love away to others. You know, damaged people damage people. Damaged goods damage goods. Hurt people hurt people. So if, if you know, loving people, love, loving people love people. Generous people are generous to people. It's a bit hard to be generous if you've got nothing to give, whether it be a heartfelt emotion or whether it be a dollar out of your hand. So you've, there has to be a certain amount of self-love, of, of the, a sense of self-worth and self-esteem for you to produce generous um, and philanthropic change in the world. So if someone, if someone's, you know, up themselves and they've got a swollen head, well, that's, that's, they're just up themselves and they've got a swollen head. That's got nothing to do with writing, writing affirmations that change your life. Having said that, what I will say is there is evidence to show that um, first person affirmations may not be quite as powerful as third person affirmations. So talking to yourself by saying, you know, you, Greg, are an amazing uh, physiotherapist, or you, Greg, are an extraordinary athlete, or you, Greg, are fit and well and healthy. You, Greg, so you can, I, and I do this, I say, I say, I am affirmations. You know, I'm a brilliant physiotherapist. I also say, Greg, you are a brilliant physiotherapist. And I almost speak to myself from outside myself to myself. Um, that's been shown in the recycle research to be quite powerful as well. So I do both. The other thing that can be quite helpful is to, to ask yourself questions. Have you ever done something kind of dumb <laughs> and you said to yourself, why am I so stupid? Why did I do that? And you're saying it to yourself from a negative perspective. And then you what your brain when you ask your subconscious a question like that, your brain goes to work and answers it for you. Because uh, you're stupid. <laughs> so so what, you, what you can also do as an affirmation is ask yourself the right sort of questions. Why am I so brilliant? Why does life go so well for me? Why does this work for me? Why do positive things happen to me all day long? 
so you're asking yourself a question. So your brain goes to work and says, um, uh, oh, I, I don't know, I guess because you're lucky. Uh, I guess because things go well for you. Like you're asking your brain a question that, that, that it has to answer positively. So as well as affirmations in the first person present tense, I would ask, I would say affirmations that are third person addressing you. And I would then ask yourself questions. All of these are using your voice, your lips, to change the wiring in your brain to the wiring that you want. Does that answer your question? Well, it does. And when you take the, when you take affirmations and the car analogy, remember when you go to a shop, you buy a new car, and then you look around, you only see better cars. So could you use affirmations to you know solve that problem of jealousy as well? Just tell yourself, I'm not going to be jealous of say, the new Chevrolet that came out, if you keep saying that to yourself, stand 20 times a day. I, I would say this. You cannot say an affirmation out of a negative. So you can't say, um, I will not be jealous. Or I will not be envious. What's the opposite of being jealous? What's the opposite of envious? You've got to say it from the positive because what you draw your, your subconscious attention to when you say, um, I will not be a jealous person, is you draw attention to the word jealous. That's what your subconscious hears. But if you say, I am a, a warm and loving person, generous to all, a warm and loving person is the opposite of a jealous person, right? A jealous person is all about introspection. It's all about me, me, me. But if you're a loving and generous person, it's all about them, them, them. Does that make sense? So you don't say your affirmation out of the negative. That's why it's first person, present tense, positive statement. It's got to be positive. I am a generous and kind person. You take, you, you got to wire the positive, not focus on the negative thing that you want to get rid of. What is the opposite of the negative that is annoying you in your life, whether it be jealousy or envy or hate or something like that? If it's a negative emotion, then you picture the positive emotion. And that's what you affirm. That make sense? Yeah, that does. And if I had to ask you, so what are your other tips for solving jealousy? Because jealousy is a huge issue. And another thing is because people keep getting judged and they keep caring about what other people think of them. And that stops them from that stops them from achieving their goals. So what are your tips on not uh, what are your tips on staying away from caring about people's judgments? Well, caring about people's judgments mean that your self-image is poor. If you have a strong self-image, if you have a strong self-concept, then the actions and opinions of others will not affect you as much. Now, look, we, we, are, we are mammals. We are herd animals. We are concerned about the, the opinion of others around us. You know, we come, we're, in, we're born into families. Our families are part of tribes. Our tribes are part of communities. Our communities are part of, you know, wider society. So we are 
a social animal. So it's important, obviously, that we relate well socially. But if, if people are too preoccupied with the negative attitudes and opinions of others, then we will affect our own performance. We will stop ourselves living the life to the full that we can live. So again, it's focusing on your sense of self. And I do believe that we, our affirmations should begin with developing this sense of self-esteem and self-love. You know, Marissa Pears, the famous psychoanalyst, uh, psychotherapist, said she has her, her favorite affirmation is, I am enough. And this is what she teaches to all her um, clients. The first thing is to state, I am enough. I don't have to be anything more than I am, but I also don't have to be anything less than I am. I am enough. Within me, within my, my mind, within my body, within my brain, I have all that I need for a, a loving and a stable and a complete future. So to start saying stuff like, I am enough, to look yourself in the mirror in the morning and say, I love you. Why is it that we can say, I love you to someone, you know, in our family, but we can't say it to ourselves? When we have a concept that we are valuable, that we are unique, that we are here for a reason, that we are not an accident, when we take that to heart, the power that that unleashes in our life to do more, to be more, to create more, and not be held back by the negative attitudes and opinions of others. It's, it's all about building a sense, a strong sense of self, of who you are, that you have a right to be here. You, every atom of your body is part of the universe's structure. Um, that you have an influence on the universe, every one of us, just by our presence here, and we know this from quantum physics, from quantum mechanics, that every one of us has exerts an influence electromagnetically on the field around us and in our very world. So, you know, we influence that we influence the world just by our presence. We influence the very universe just by our presence. We are powerful. I love the quote. Actually, I've got it. I should memorize it one day, but I've got it on my phone because I use it so often. Um, Marianne Williamson, who's a um, great writer, actually, if you're interested. And um, uh, I've got a lot of time for her. But she has a great quote from one of her books, uh, which often gets quoted, but I'll read it to you. Who are you to play small? Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented or fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking 
so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we inconspicuously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So the people that are speaking into your life out of their insecurity, that's their problem. And you don't have to take on their issues or their negativity, particularly if they're trying to put you down or put you in a box. You are made for greatness. We all are. I think that realising that and not letting people put um, constraints on your life, otherwise you're letting them have control. Why are you letting them have control? Your life is your life. Exactly, exactly. And your life is, is powerful. You are Absolutely. made yeah. to influence the world. If not the world, certainly your world, the world around you. And don't let other people hold you back from being all you can be. And the, and, you, and on Instagram, I saw that your last year posts are about truth. So what do you... Uh, what are your tips on accepting truth as it is? Because what people try to do is they try to either manipulate the truth in their favor or they don't just accept the truth. Like, I mean, if you're overweight, people don't like accepting that they're overweight and that they need to go to the gym as such. So what are your like, tips on? You've got to be very careful. One, it's, a, it's more about, I think, self-awareness. It's got to be about you looking at your life and being honest about where you are. Now, no one, none of us like to be, no one, you know, if you're walking down the street and, and someone says to you, mate, you're a fat bastard. You know, none of us like that. We just want to punch them out. So none of us like to have opinions just thrown at us. Now, if we invite opinion, that's different. And what I would say about inviting opinion, inviting someone to speak into your life you need to pick very carefully those people that you give that authority to. And they need to be people that you know and trust. People who know have your best interest at heart, not people who have their own vested interest or are speaking out of their own brokenness. And a lot of people will do that. So you need to have only a handful of confidants who you entrust your life to and who you ask to speak into it. So there's nothing wrong with having someone, a mentor, a, a coach, someone who you trust and who you know has your best interest at heart and can speak the truth into your life. I think that's fantastic. But be very careful about people who just offer their truth to you because that's their truth. It's not your truth. And it may not be anywhere near the truth of your life. Um, so it is about self-awareness. It's about asking yourself the question. It's about reviewing your life. That's what I was saying in that thing. You need to have, you need to be able to review your life. Sit down at the end of every day. Okay, look back over your day. What were the things that went well? What can I pat myself on the back about? I don't think we do this enough, actually. We don't pat ourselves on the back and affirm the things that went well. But don't be blind to the things that didn't go well. You know, if, the, if you had a, 
if a relationship broke down during the day or think our communication didn't go well or a, there was a business failure or your marketing fell in a heap or whatever it might be you need to you need to see that recognize it but as um Tony Robbins says don't make it worse than it is you know sometimes we blow things up and we make things you know 10 times worse than it actually is we have this 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 tendency to catastrophize no just see it for what it is but then once you see it for what it is then you have the power and potential to change what it is it's like affirmations why do affirmations work in a positive sense because you have seen something that you're not happy about in your life and maybe it is your relationship with your love you know your partner you might say you know i recognize that you know my partner and i are not getting on well at the moment you know we we might be we're shouting at each other we're not listening to each other so you think okay i recognize that in my life what's the opposite of that what would be the opposite that my partner and i have a warm and open relationship and we always speak lovingly and positively to one another there you are there's your affirmation I have a I have an open loving Sorry, I can't hear you. Right. Um is that better? Yeah. Okay. So if you're if you're with your partner and and um you 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 recognize there was a problem with your relationship and so you're making you realize you're not speaking to each other lovingly then there's your there's your affirmation right there so an affirmation comes out of recognizing that something is not how you want it to be setting your mind to okay so what is the opposite of what what's happening where do i want it to be write that write a description down of what it is that you want i want my relationship to be loving positive open and um you know friendly whatever it might be <laughs> i'm making it up as i go here so there there's your affirmation i have a loving positive warm relationship with my partner yeah. always you know we always speak lovingly and positively to one another whatever it might be so again you've seen the truth because of your self awareness and the review of your life because of that truth you have a vision for where you want it to be now you write your positive affirmations and you do your visualizations and your rap emotion around it to get the result you want to rewire your brain so that when you're and, and it won't happen overnight you know repetition 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 is the mother of learning our neural pathways are created because of repetition any skill we have whether we when we first stood on our feet as a baby whether we, when our first words were spoken it only was happened through repetition and remember that took years to get from go from crawling to walking to being confident on our feet that that was a long process actually and it's the same with an affirmation some affirmations can happen very quickly depending on the power of the emotion we attach to it some may take a while to change the wiring that's already there 
or to you don't necessarily change the wiring actually because we know it's about building a new neural pathway and then strengthening the new neural pathway so it is more powerful and the easier road than the old neural pathway but that's we're getting into brain structure and stuff and talking about acceptance, how do you accept failure as well as disappointment? What are your, what are your methods in accepting failure as a phase in your life instead of an, an, an end all? You cannot grow, you cannot do anything in your life without accepting that failure is the road to success. If we take that example of the, of the baby walking, you know, when, when, when would you say as a parent, um, your, your child keeps, you know, getting up and, and falling over, would you say, oh, look, obviously this isn't for you, walking isn't for you, um, you should just crawl the rest of your life because you've fallen over so many times. W- would we say that to a child? Of course not. <laughs> we would say, no, you, you keep walking until you walk. And the child doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, look, that was my 50th fall. That's it. I'm done with this walking thing. I've given that up. We're not. I'm not going to do it anymore. The child doesn't say that. He keeps on getting. He keeps on getting up. He keeps on getting up, and eventually, he walks. Unless he's got, you know, some um, physical problem, but he walks. So why do we in life? Why do we give up so easily when we have a problem at work, or when we have a problem in a relationship, or when? It, why do we? Why do we have this fear of failure? <gasps> oh, you know, things haven't gone well. You know, oh, that's it. I'm giving up. No, keep going. You know, failure, all failure is, is the lesson. Now, it might need, you, you need to change the way you're doing it. It might need, you need to change direction. You need to think about, and this is where self-awareness comes into it. If you're failing constantly at something, Either you need to think about a new thing to do or a new thing to test or a new new way of doing things. Look, you know, it's like the, the famous saying from, from Edison when he was trying to make the light globe and they, someone said to him, oh, you know, how do you feel having failed 2,000 times with a filament for your light globe? And he said, I haven't failed. I just found 2,000 things that won't work. In other words, I'm that much closer to the thing that will work. So this is this is the attitude. This is an attitude. This is the attitude we need to have to failure. Failure is the road to success. No, no successful person that you can think of has not experienced failure in what they are trying to do. You know, whether it be um, Bill Gates, you know, whether it be um, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of Richard Branson, you know, all these guys, they will tell you they had heaps of failures, things that didn't work, but that led them to the thing that did work. So, you know, don't give up. Failure is a lesson. That's all it is take the next step don't don't be put off by it and that comes back to you know what that comes back to our sense of self-worth affirmations you, yes it does 
but also our sense of self-worth. If we are confident about who we are, then we don't put our value of ourselves on the failure. But also we don't put the value on ourselves and our success. Because we are valuable anyway. Now, we will, once we know that, we will enjoy more success because we won't be put off by our failure. Because if our failure, if we see our failure as a reflection of us, oh dear, I failed. I'm a horrible person. I'm terrible. I should, I should give up on life. If that's what failure is saying to you, then that's all about your self-image. That's all about how you feel about yourself. And, and I would do a lot of work about fixing that sense of self. And there's, you know, lots of lots of books you can read, lots of things you can do. Um, there's, you know, go see a good psychologist, uh, have a good coach. There's lots of things that can change the way you think about yourself so it's in a more positive light. So then the failure doesn't come back to reflect on your sense of self. That means you are more likely to keep going knowing you will experience failure, but going through failure to the success that's waiting for you on the other side. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So just don't let failure stop you. Exactly. And again, that comes out of your, really, it comes out of your sense of self. Know who you are. You are unique. You're special. You're amazing. And before I go to another question, just want to ask you, so yourself or your sense of self-image comes from the affirmations you make to yourself right it, yes it can well it can certainly be built by that i mean our, our sense of self certainly is influenced in the first you know six years of life because of um how our parents relate to us how our grandparents our family our our friends our our school environment they can all form um our sense of self in a positive or a negative way if it's formed in a negative way, then affirmations can serve to change that, that positive image. But then we should always be feeding the positive in our life. Because what they, well, again, what the psychologists say is because we have the, this proclivity to focus on the negative because of our reptilian brain that wants to keep us alive. So it sees all the negative things in our environment. Why? Because it's concerned about our survival. To overcome the power of the negative, we have to give ourselves five or six positive affirmations to balance up one negative thought. So you can see that affirmations become critical, but repetition of the positive affirmation becomes even more critical, even more needed. So it's about balancing up that negative that, that tendency in all of us to focus on the negative. And, and affirmations are one of the tools that you can do that. Why? Because you're affecting the subconscious picture or image of yourself. Now, what the other things for some of us who suffered um, a lot of negative um, feedback when we were young and we, we formed a picture of ourselves that's very negative, then some some may need professional help in getting through that. And that's where a good counsellor, um, therapist, psychotherapist can really help, I think. Um, also, hypnosis. Um, 
which is a which is a way of of suggesting images and things to our subconscious to change wiring is very powerful, and auto suggestion that is self hypnosis, which is really what affirmations are, is getting into a brainwave state where you are calm, relaxed, and then telling yourself who you are. That's that's auto suggestion. It's a type of self hypnosis. It's producing. It's changing the picture that exists in your subconscious and making it a picture that's now going to serve you and not um, damage you or prevent you from being who you want to be. And if I wanted to ask you that, if you had to like list a path or you know or the basic keys to success, what would they be? Ooh, I did a whole series of posts on the, the, I had about 10. <laughs> um, look, I think discipline is really, self-discipline is really important. Why? Because I think the routines around the way you construct your day will lead you towards success or away from success. And routines are habits. They're things that you have formed through, again, repetition, that are the habits or behaviors that will lead you towards success. What are those habits? Again, the research is pretty clear that the first part of our day is the most productive part of our day. The first three to four hours of our day is when our brain is at its best in terms of creativity and productivity. So to get up early, to spend the first part of your day in doing the work that is most productive, that is going to take you in the direction of your dreams, that's when to do it. Things like getting, so if you're a writer, if you're an artist, if you're a creative in any way, then that first part of the day is when you should be doing your craft. If you're a speaker, I like to write my scripts for my um, posts early in the day and film them early in the day and then post them later in the day um, because that's my most, when my brain is most active and creative. Um, meetings and things like that, don't do those at the beginning of your day. Meetings are much better off done later in the day when, uh, because otherwise you're wasting your creative period. Um, so it's about getting up early. It's about having, it's about doing the routines of your day. Like I would get up early. I, I first meditate and pray for half an hour. I then do affirmations. I then I do a short period of exercise. Now, that some people indicate that doing exercise later in the day is, is probably better from a creative point of view, but I like to do it because I have a, a short, very punchy kind of exercise period. I then get into my work and I try to keep that first three hours of the day my most productive work. I then have time, um, 
I do two things because in the morning I work on this business in my personal development business. In the afternoon I work on my physiotherapy. I'm still treating clients. And so I devote my afternoon to the treating of clients because I, I like the hands-on um, healing that I do in that regard. And in the evening, I will often devote that to learning. So I will listen to um, and read a lot of uh, uh, online material um, and also I've got a stack of all around me I've got a stack of books at any one time I think reading is a really important thing leaders are readers you look at all the successful people around there they're all readers even if they weren't when they started they are now because they recognize that if you're going to cope with the rate of change in the world you have to be continually updating your skills and abilities so it's really about being disciplined in your life. I try not to get distracted by emails, by um, texts, by you know your phone, your, your social. But how do you do that? Like, how do you I, maintain self-discipline? You actually well, you actually plan out your day. So you need to sit down and write out a daily plan. How does how do you structure your day? Is your day just kind of you know, whatever happens, happens, or have you got, have you sat down like I have, and I've got a plan for my day, and I follow that plan through. That's I follow all. my plan through. And then knowing how to structure that day so it's most productive for you. So, and knowing how distracting things like social media and emails are, leave that till late in the day and give yourself a time period where you devote to that. And maybe it's four o'clock till 5.30. Um, now my, I, I, do, I tend to, I, I look at emails very rarely actually, emails very late in the day because to me they're a total distraction. Um, I, I'm more into social media because that's part of my business. But the social media I pay attention to is the, is the social media that builds my business not not um not not social you know i don't look at ten thousand cat videos you know that has no appeal to me whatsoever what appeals to me is um the things that i'm interested in which is the psychology of success it's about human performance it's about um uh, my relationships with my people online it's about all those sorts of things that help me build my business and my life so they're the things that i focus on they're my priorities it's about prioritizing your life and that means having a plan of your day and that means having a plan of every day of the week and that every once your week is in focus and you know how you're spending each day then you plan your month and then you've got a plan for your first quarter of the year then you've got a plan for every quarter of the year then you've got a plan for your year and then you've got a plan for three years and then for five years and for ten years and we call those goals they come out of your goals. So what are your goals for your life? Have you got 10-year goals? Have you got five-year goals, three-year goals, one-year goals, quarterly goals, weekly goals, daily goals, daily tasks? Because that brings it down. And this is where discipline comes in. So you've got to sit down and you've got to put all that down. You've got to know where you're going in 10 years' time. 
no, that may change. You may change your vision depending on you know what's happening in your life, or you may decide that that goal actually, you know, I put that goal down, but that's no longer important to me. This goal is. So it doesn't mean it can't be flexible, but in having your having goals in your life really then um, provides the motivation and the energy to structure your life to serve you. So, I, I, yeah, I, I guess looking at you know what's what's going to be what what separates successful people one is they know where they're going they know what they want to accomplish and what they want to achieve they know the skills they need to to grow in they know the relationships they need to build they it, it, it formulates everything then and then they have the discipline to put all that down and then to structure their time to serve that vision and that's what separates the successful from the also rares. You totally agree. <laughs> yeah, and to wrap up, and to wrap up the interview, if you had to give people tips as uh, three tips on being happy in life, what would they be? Ooh, look. This happens whenever I put a number. <laughs> I think I, I did a post a little while ago, and I think this is very true. I think we have to be, to get into mindfulness, to be comfortable being in the moment. Now, this is going to sound, <laughs> this, this may be a little bit paradoxical, but if you can be in the moment and enjoy the moment you're in, because too often we human beings, we spend too much time in our past. We, we drag up our past and we drop it into the present again. So a negative experience from our past, a fight we had with someone, um, something, someone who was mean to us, um, perhaps an accident that happened in our past, a car accident, a, you know, whatever it might be. And then we, 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 we're thinking about that and going, oh yeah, well, that was terrible. And what have we done? We've brought it into our present. And we, we experience the same emotions, the negative emotions from that past experience in the moment. So we humans do that. Or we are you know, being, what is it, apprehensive about our future. So we're looking into the future and we're worrying about the future and we bring those emotions and we bring them into the present. And so we're worrying not because something is happening to us now, but because something might happen to us in the future or something happened to us in the past. But neither is real. It's not happening to us now from the past. And we're not experiencing that from the future, but we create this, this negative emotion in the now. So to learn mindfulness, to be able to turn off the past, turn off the future, be present in the moment and enjoy the moment. Am I comfortable now? I certainly am. Am I safe now? I certainly am. Am I well fed now? Yes, I am. If I had a, you know, if I had on my morning coffee, I certainly have. I'm comfortable. 
I'm, I'm talking to Srivatsan and, and we're, we're enjoying our conversation. Like, I'm in the moment. It's enjoyable. It's pleasant. The other thing we do um, so, is gratefulness. So part of being mindful and in the moment is also being grateful. So often we spend our time worrying about things that never happen or dragging up things that have happened and we don't spend anywhere near enough time being grateful for what we have, for our lives, for the fact that we've we had a family, that we were loved, that we live in a we have got a roof over our head and food in our belly and you know there's we have you know flushing toilets or you know whatever it might be. Every day we are surrounded by things we should be grateful for. That there's roads out there that you know the government have made that we've got you know laws that keep us safe that we've got you know all that sort of thing we just need to be so much more grateful so being mindful being in the moment being grateful for what we have and spending a lot more time writing down and saying what we are grateful for and then having a sense of our lives as being a journey that we are progressing we are going somewhere we are people, um, there's a great quote on success from Earl Nightingale actually, uh, that um, su success is the progressive attainment of a worthy goal or ideal. When we have a sense that we're progressing and growing in our lives, that brings fulfillment. And it's that sense of fulfillment and contentment that brings happiness. So they're the three things, being mindful, being grateful, and realizing that your life is a journey and that you are progressing down the path and that things are unfolding as they should. They're, to me, they're the three keys for happiness. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. My pleasure, Sri Did I?